0: If you like what you hear, come and visit me at youtube.com slash tiptoethetank and see this content in all its glory. Galena was a picked woman, a priestess, a healer, and a guilt. Her home was what we know as Northern Scotland, the Isles of Orkney. Galena was one who hears voices. She communed with the spirits of the underworld. She saw them, and once seen, they see you in return. But Galena treated this as a gift. A blessing of sight upon this world, not something to be feared. And when her little girl, Senua, began to share in her visions, Galena comforted and guided her. When Senua was young, she would lay in the grass and stare at the faces and shapes that shifted in the clouds. They were in the trees, the mountains, the caves. The world was alive with them. And gently, Galena encouraged Senua to embrace her gift, to engage with it. Galena's husband, Zinbel was a druid. Druids were keepers of tradition and authorities amongst the clans. Galena's visions were a darkness in Zinbel's eyes, an evil thing, a picked druid, with a wife who saw visions of the dead, who chose to interact with them, who treated it as a gift. Zinbel treated it as a curse, not a gift. The two stood in stark contrast to their approach of it. Zinbel was quite cruel to Galena, hurting her to silence the voices in her mind, when Senua was just five years old, Zinbil deemed his wife a blight upon their home, an affront to their gods, an incurable curse, and to appease their gods, Zinbil burned Galena as a sacrifice, and those of her village stood and watched. Little Senua saw this, stood before the pyre as Galena began to burn and begged her daughter to look away. Zinbil whispered to her, The gods have saved your mother through my hand. The little girl knew that the supposed darkness that was within Galena was also growing within her as well, the two shared in this affliction. The child locked away that memory of her mother burning, her father clad in black, standing confidently in his decision, the loss of her guiding light that day. Instead, Senua believes that the darkness, as her father calls it, within her mother, had finally come and claimed her. That Galena couldn't fight it anymore. That was the death of her. Not her father, not the sacrifice, but instead, suicide. Zinbil's cruelty turned to his daughter. He kept her hidden away from the world, ostracized from her village and her peers. He turned his hand upon her to fight back the darkness within her. Ritual after beating, after manipulation, after terror. Zinbil damaged his daughter. He traumatized her over and over for years. As she aged, the visions became more vivid, the voices more defined. She saw the world as her mother did. And for it, she was met with harm at the hands of her own father. Rarely did Senua leave the prison of her home. From time to time, she'd venture out on errands to collect firewood or herbs, away from the people of the village, out into the forests in the plains of Orkney. When she was a teenager, Senua chanced upon a boy, a young man, practicing his swordsmanship beneath a great tree in the plains near her village. He was one of a different clan, someone she'd never seen before, Though, Senua probably knew very few people in her own village. She was captivated by his grace. He moved as if he was dancing and the world danced with him. Watching him lifted her gloom. And she returned to that place day after day to watch him and then to practice a dance of her own, always from afar. She developed her own grace in movement. Those days were a bliss of light that she wished could go on forever. The young man courted the world with his dance, and she so desperately wished to do the same, just like him. Eventually, young Senua approached the tree on a shining golden day when the light of the world danced about her. He was there, and met her at the tree. When Senua meekly told him her name, he didn't recognize it. It was when she said that she didn't leave her home much that he knew her to be Zinbol's daughter, a shut-in. He'd seen her practicing, dancing in her swordplay from afar. The two shared a sweet moment beneath the tree. He told her his name, Dillian, the son of the chieftain, and he invited her to the warrior trials that he was there to attend. A friendship blossomed between Senua and Dillian. They practiced their swordplay day after day together. Senua came to trust Dillian, and told him of the darkness her father said was within her, though Dillian wasn't afraid of her or the way that she saw the world. Eventually. Senua passed the warrior trials herself. And with this achievement, and at the behest of Dillion, Senua returned to her father one last time to tell him she was leaving his house, to live with Dillion and his clan. She thought it would be good for her, but a fight ensued between Senua and Zinbil. The usually timid, meek young woman would not be swayed though. Zinbil threw his gamut of insults and foreshadowings at her, telling her that there was a rot growing within her, that nobody could save her, only the gods could do that through his hand. She cannot escape this darkness, she'll just bring doom upon others if she leaves him. But drawing her sword on her father, she refused to let him reign over her any longer. Senua leaves Zinbil behind, and moves on to a new life with Dillion. Eventually, the two become lovers. And Dillian takes a very active role in Senua's journey. We go now to a man named Findon, just across the Irish Sea. Findon was a scholarly man, well-traveled and educated, perhaps even from a relatively well-to-do family. One day, Findon's sister was captured by men from the North Vikings, we would call them. Findon's father sent him to parlay with these Northmen, to pay in gold for her release the Northmen took Finden's gold and held him as a prisoner for a day and a night with no food or water. Then, with no explanation, Finden was released. Without his sister. He returned home where his father and brother awaited his return. But upon this return, enemies of his father set the place ablaze. His father and brother were killed in the fire. Finden barely escaped with his life. Everything he had was gone. But his father's enemy offered Findon compensation for what had been done to him. They invited him to their home at the coast. They invited him to a feast. Findon accepted the invitation. There at the home of his father's enemy, Findon was captured and sold to the Northmen as a slave. Such an intelligent, well-traveled man turned out to be a prize to them. Findon could speak the language of the Northmen and he could act as their guide. He knew the regions of what we call Ireland and Scotland well enough to direct the Northmen towards conquerable lands. This information was extracted through torture. Findon was not a fighter, nor was he a warrior. He broke early on. But the torture continued. For six years, Findon was tormented and forced to guide the Northmen on. While Findon suffered his fate, Senua adjusted to a new life with Dilian. For several years, the two worked to overcome Senua's darkness. She even began to walk amongst the people of the village. Dillian's father, a great warrior, was the chieftain of the village. Strong and wise, he imparted upon Dillian a rare empathy and understanding of the world around him, which made Dillian sensitive to Senua's plight. She fought against her father's prophecies over her, that she was rotten, that she'd bring death to those close to her, that her hands were covered in their blood because she'd left him. She fought against her darkness, and Dillian helped her. In the quiet of the night, he'd remind her that no one could speak for the gods, that there was good in Senua, and that he wanted to help her, he wanted to be with her. When Dillian, Senua, and a group of other villagers walked near the riverside one warm spring day, she, she could taste rot in the water. Senua knew something was wrong with the water. The others in the group laughed at her, paid her no mind, but... She wanted to leave the riverside. And soon after, people began to die. A plague had come to the village. It was brutal and it was horrific. Bodies began to pile up, and rumor that Senua was responsible began to spread. She was the target of the blame. She was cursed. She'd brought the plague here. She was responsible, and this burrowed into her mind. The suffering of the village was potent, it was frightening, and she fully believed that. It was the darkness within herself that had brought it here her father had been right she'd be the doom of this place and then dillian's father died the chieftain dead from the plague in senua's mind as dillian mourned his father she heard him calling to her blaming her for his death telling her that she has blood on her hands he didn't say those words they were the foul echoes of zinble still troubling her after all these years, but they, still they were words heard by Senua. She decided, as the plague began to subside, that she would travel alone into the wilds. Some did this for penance, some for peace, some as punishment to others, like Senua, to purge a curse. Senua wanted to marry Dillian, but she was afraid that she would infect him with her rot. She told Dillian of her plan, and though he tried to talk her out of it, Though he offered to go with her, he honored her desire to face the wilds alone. To find a way through her darkness alone, he only asked her to promise that she would come back to him. A promise that she made with hesitation, but still, one that she made. Unbeknownst to Senua, Dillian, anyone in the village, the Northmen were approaching the Isles of Orkney. A druidic man garbed in black, who quite fits the description of Senua's father, Zinbul, approached the Northmen who had arrived under the directions of Findin. The Druidic man, garbed in black, bargained with the Northmen, something witnessed by Findin. The Druidic man told them where his own village was, and in return, the man in black was given safe passage to the North. The man in black betrayed his own people to the Northmen for his own benefit. The Northmen began to burn Orkney as they conquered the lands. During one of these raisings, Findon broke free from his slave masters. He ran into the flames in wild disregard. On and on he ran, fleeing in madness covered in burns. He left Findon behind, in the flames, taking on a new name for himself, Druth, meaning liar. Druth chanced upon Senua as she walked the wilds of her homeland. Senua took pity on him, on Druth. He was clearly not long for the world. Senua sat with the crazed man. He told her tales of the gods of the Northmen, of their traditions, their warring nature, even their ghastly physical appearance. He shared in his own darkness, and she shared hers. He guided her with his madman's knowledge, with tactics to defeat the darkness, to take back control from it, to conquer it. And before Druth died, he promised Senua that he would return to her to guide her in this life and the next as a thanks, just for hearing his tales. Senua did eventually return home, to Dillian. But what she returned to was a tragedy. In this
1: waking nightmare, where all dreams come true, you searched for control. Look at your home. He's so far away. They've taken his soul. To these gods you cannot pray. They can break you, but not your promise. Even death won't keep you apart. Through his darkness you will find him in your sword still beats our heart. You fought for love unspoilt by your darkness within. You fought for your dreams. Now there's no way to win. In the head of his corpse lies the seat of his soul. So you must carry his vessel to bring him back home.
0: The Northmen had long since raided this village. Its inhabitants were killed, taken, or they'd fled. But she found Dillian Turned into a torment called the Blood Eagle, a sacrifice for their North Gods. The furies within Senua's mind awoke deeper into psychosis she fell. Nothing but horror to catch her.
1: They can break you, but not your promise. Even death won't keep you apart. Through this darkness you will find him. In your sword still beats
0: a heart. A quest was birthed from the tragedy. Senua remembered Druth's stories now that Northmen had sacrificed Dillion to their gods. So, she would travel north to Helheim itself to bargain with the goddess Hela, the Keeper of the Underworld, to save Dillion's soul. She promised that she would return to him. She took his head, the seat of his soul, and her journey began. East, across the sea, from the Isles of Orkney, to a road that will take her north through deep valleys, nine nights of riding will take her to Niflheim, to the River of Knives, and a golden bridge leading to Helheim. One of Senua's furies narrates this tale to us. Us, who for a brief time will reside with Senua as her story is told to us. We'll see the world as Senua sees it. We'll hear the things that she hears. Whether it's real, is irrelevant. Whether it's her psychotic mental illness that she's fallen ever deeply into, obfuscating reality, it's irrelevant. This is Senua's story, her experiences, her journey. To Senua it is true, and it is profound. She journeys far to the north, with Dillian's head at her hip, until finally she comes to a distant shore. This is it. This is the place, Dillian's head stirs as Senua draws upon Helheim. The furies spur her on, yet also mock her fear and instigate internal conflict. When Senua reaches land, she defiantly pushes her boat away. There will be no going back. There will be no abandon to this quest. Upon old pillars. Senua sees shapes and activates them to hear the voice of her old friend, Truth. Telling her tales of this other culture, of their gods and beliefs, already the darkness is stalking Senua here. After communing with Druth, she thought that she had the tools to leave it behind in the wilds or at least the tools to keep it at bay, until she found Dillian. Now the darkness is hungry and it haunts Senua, but just up the path is what Senua seeks, Helheim. I'm... sorry. Hearing how Senua hears can be quite disconcerting, can't it? Distracting, even. Helheim. The darkness retreats at this place, for a moment. Dillian's head stirs. And if Senua listens... listens closely, she can hear her beloved Dillian. He's here, in Helheim. There is no doubt. The source of the darkness is here as well. There is no doubt. Up a hidden path that Druth told her of, through the cliffside, into a drop-down where Senua cannot return from, there is a gate blocking her way, with a shape glowing red upon it, keeping it locked shut. At this blocked passage, Senua's old friend Druth reappears, to keep true to his promise that he would act as her guide in this life and the next. He will tell her stories of Hell and of the Northmen, even of himself. Stories she's heard before, but come to us as though they were stories anew. Druth tells Senua to focus her inner eye, to hold the image of the rune in her mind and to find a copy of it, and then the door will open for her. Senua finds this shape, cast in shadows from hanging tree roots in the cavern. Something that perhaps you or I would see and think nothing of, is noticed by Senua, it's given significance, it is the answer to the problem that she has. And this is a process that will repeat many times over, find a shape or pattern in the world around her, something those without her inner eye would not assign any importance to and use those patterns and shapes to reveal an unseen or previously locked way forward. However, this cannot happen with the Great Gates of Helheim. The face of the half-rotted goddess Hela is cast into it, with symbols representing two gods of the Northmen accompanying it. But the darkness reappears when Senua approaches the gate. rot that Zinbil spoke of, that was growing within Senua, is now manifest upon the woman. For now, just her arm, and it is here that the Northmen attack. They are huge men, garbed in leathers with fierce weaponry, and skulls of animals concealing some, feathers adorning their dress. They dance about, in and out of focus, as though a part of the darkness. They appear from the air to challenge Senua in combat. but. After being struck down by the unseeable Northmen who attack from the darkness who Senua cannot fight against, Senua has a vision of the Rot climbing up her arm through her body into her head, the seat of her soul. Nothing can be done to stop it. If she fails, this is to be her fate. If she falls in combat and does not rise again, the Rot will take her mind. She truly cannot flee from this she cannot bargain with it. The rot will kill her, the darkness will take her. Though it is truth that guides her on, Senua remembers what Dillion taught her as well. The hardest battles are fought in the mind. Remarkably, the woman is able to steady herself, to gain her focus once again, to continue her quest. The world glitters, it shines and glows with bright kaleidoscope colors, the beauty of the morning light bounces to reveal the emerald hues of the foreboding filthy door, this gate. It won't open unless she can find these two gods of the Northmen. They guard the gate. But who were they again? Ah, Druth. Once again, Druth speaks to Senua to tell her of them. Valravn, the god of illusion, and Surt, the god of fire. The path to these gods are linked to this very courtyard before the bridge to Helheim. On the path first to Valraven, the god of illusion, Senua is almost taunted by Valraven itself, appearing just far enough away to be untouchable, yet also acting as a guide to Senua, as though Valraven wants her to find his sanctum. Through gates that change the paths available she peers, searching through mazes of kaleidoscope-colored runes and combat with the horrific Northmen, Senua finds him, Valraven. Or rather, Valraven finds her. The darkness is volatile around this place, but Senua knows it from her time in the wilds. This god of illusion will use his every trick against Senua, even ambushing her to gain the upper hand. In the cold, still darkness, Senua awakens. Valravan, trying to peck into her spine. But in this fear, Senua hears Druth, reminding her of the iron mirror that he gifted to her. A window into the underworld, and with it, she will see the darkness that she so fears. Valravin cannot hide in the shadow from Senua if she uses her iron mirror. Druth reminds her to focus, to focus. And finally, Senua can battle this god. Through his tricks and the interruptions of the Northmen, he cannot sneak about in the shadows so long as she uses her iron mirror. He is fast and aggressive, but Senua has trained for years with Dillion. She passed the warrior trials on her own, Senua is a great fighter. She cuts through this Northmen god, and with the fall of Valravin, one of the two runes on the gates to Hell is undone. The brightness of the day returns, an obstacle overcome. The quest moved forward. And it is a lovely day, is it not? Along her path, Senua sees something in a rock face. It is, in fact, a face. That of her mother. A memory Senua has of her. It's easy for Senua to see faces where we perhaps could not, to see patterns and shapes to vividly recall memories as though they were taking place right before her, or to see visions play out in real time. When her mother, Galena, was alive. It was a beautiful time before the darkness came. Senua does not remember how her mother died that she was murdered. It was the darkness. It came for Galena. N- now it was coming for Senua. The next god of the Northmen to fall will be Surt. And Druth is quite indignant at this being. Druth's death comes from the fire of the Northmen, their god Surt, when he fled into the wildfire of a raised village to escape his slave masters. Senua sees those flames, sees them through how vividly Druth once defined them to her. The burning of homes, of people, the chaos of being conquered, the rampant slaughter of common folk at the hands of the Northmen wielding their flame. Senwa sees it all through Druth's storytelling, and now she will face it and run through it as well, like Druth did, like the innocents under threat of the Northmen did. More patterns and shapes to find, the world changes into a fiery hellscape at the touch of an altar. Druth tells more tales through the old runic stones and guides her on. Motivates her forward through the death and suffering of these burning lands. Urges her to abandon faith in the gods, to defy them as they won't answer the prayers of those like Druth and Senua. To rely on herself only, and upon herself and her own strength, she does. Pushing through the chaos. Hearing Druth cry of warring gods and the end of days, the fate of Surt, who will burn the world whole with fire, he beckons Senua to burn her own world to the ground much the same to see it born anew, for herself to greet it as a newborn. On Senua goes, until she finds the throne of this god, Surt, the fire giant. And he looks every bit as terrifying and powerful as a legend would suppose him to be. But as with Valravan, Senua does not hesitate against him once he is fully realized before her. Once the scene is set, one befitting the fire giant. As Surt is carried in the hearts of the Northmen during their raids according to Druth's stories, and he is feared and revered by the Northmen, he thusly appears akin to the Northmen, garbed in leathers, adorned with a fiendishly burning bramble thicket upon his head, blood running down his chest. And if left unchecked, he wields a firestorm against Senua, his whole body will burn; even his great sword will too in this fight. But Senowa cannot give him reprieve. She must retain her focus and meet this walking horror with cunning and aggression. Watching the beast fall—it's satisfying, isn't it? And with the death of Surt, the second rune locking away the bridge to Helheim is undone. Senowa can now proceed on deeper into Niflheim, on to Helheim itself to seek out the Goddess, Hela. At the bridge, Senua briefly has an audience with this being that she so desperately seeks. The gates open, and the darkness begins to seep through. It would be most bold to say that this was Senua's chance, especially when faced with what comes through the gate. This is hella this is the source of her darkness what she came all this way to confront the voice of the darkness the voice of her father Zimbel taunts and jeers at her any insult any mockery that could cut her in this horrifying moment but just look at this being that hella is how could anyone stand against this sena was still with her own words, Pushes herself to inch towards her weapon. She will stand against Hella. Even as the voice of the darkness puts her down and mockingly tells her to fight. She goes with the sword. You
1: fail the gods. You're pathetic. Rotten curse. What were you thinking? Didn't really think you could win. How so stupid, stupid. So stupid. Everyone hates her. Yes. She's cursed. You. Uh, the shadow hates Look at you. A warrior. <laughs> worthless. Weak. Pathetic. Go on. <laughs> Feel sorry for yourself. Because there is no one left to do that for you.
0: It's everywhere.
1: <gasps> What's that? Take it. If you're too much of a coward to fight, then end the suffering.
0: These words of Zinbo, of the darkness, are not enough to stop Senua. Her broken sword will act as a tool to close her wound, and for a while Senua lays on the beach at the rocks, holding Dillian's head, resting in her own thoughts, the rot pulsing on her arm, and with no sword, how can she fight on? Where could she possibly find another? Did Druth once tell her of a sword? She stays within herself until she returns. Her eyes flutter and the pain of her fall comes back. It's a song that she hears, it's Dillion. It's Dillion's voice calling her back to herself as he'd done so many times before in their years together before the wilds, before the tragedy. The glowing blue light of Dillion guides her on to a great tree. Druth tells her stories of Sigmund and a sword. The darkness speaks at her commonly now, taunting her, degrading her, mocking her, but still she fights back at it. And the shimmering light of Dillion is a reminder of her promise to return to him. Within the great tree of death at the beach, there rests a sword. It's the same one Druth told her of, grammar. The sword that Odin himself plunged into the great tree Barnstoker. The sword that only the Worthy may take, which can slay a god. Which could slay Hela within Helheim. But Senua cannot pull it from the tree. Druth appears to tell her that that's not the real sword, it's an illusion. Grammar was shattered long ago, and to prove her worth, she must pass the trials of Odin. And she's passed a trial before. The warrior's trial in her homeland. Within each aged runestone, Senua goes to a different place. She hears Dillian calling to her within a burial mound, guiding her through the dark maze of corridors, then a place of pure darkness, where in the pure black night, Dillian calms her mind and gently guides her past obstacles and monsters in the dark. On to a bridge before Helheim, though it's different here, this is a different direction to a structure upon an island of rocks, where through masks the world changes in both hue and build. The paths open to her change depending on which mask she peers into. A broken staircase is even repaired when Senua focuses her inner eye upon it to realize it as being made whole. When Senua reaches the blue light of Dillion, he jumps away and she remembers a moment they shared. Talking about fear of the dark, and the beauty of Senua's world. An intimate moment for Senoa, but also a reminder of her great loss. And there's nothing she won't do to find him. Onward, into the next trial. It's the plague, traveling through the rancid waters of a broken, flooded village. Senua once sensed rot and plague in the water long ago in her village, before the plague arrived. The plague that so many blamed on her. Once again, she is rebuilding bridges and paths with her mind, focusing on them, realizing their existence, bringing them into being, seeing the world differently through empty gates that rid her of obstacles. And then, a gauntlet, being chased by an inferno of energy through a longhouse, seeking out runes to unlock her exit, the furies screaming at her the whole time, it's a monster that she could never hope to defeat. All she can do is run. The monstrous thing is held at bay by the exit doors, and for a time, Senua sits to dream of Dilian, of their time during the plague when he guided her thoughts away from self-blame, when she chose to trust him over the ignorant rumors of the others in the village. With the final trial complete, Senoa now possesses grammar, a sword that can kill a god, but now the darkness comes for Senua, the deepest fall yet, down into a sea of corpses. Druth told her of this place. In the sea of corpses, the corpse wave threw itself over the ones I loved. The ship broke up under them, the ship that had sailed from the land of shining fields. Come not here in the sun, come not with a sword, come not crying over a naked corpse, come not with disturbed mind. The darkness reaches its fever pitch, a volatile, snide ridicule. A constant stream of blame and damnation for everything she's ever cursed herself over, every weakness she's ever felt, every negative emotion, every death, every moment of suffering cascades on her as she fights through the Northmen as she travels this sea of corpses. Her mother is here, Galena, And here she suffers, so she begs for help, cries out for Senua. And the darkness, Zinbel, continues to pile upon blame. And tries to strip Galena's grace away from Senua's memory. A victim of the darkness. She gave her life to the gods. She killed herself. So why don't you join her, Senua? It's constant. It's constant. This is the reality Senua must live in. And it's exhausting. Senua stands at a cliffside, lost within herself, a blackout state. Someplace the darkness cannot follow. It's the voice of Dillian that reasons with her, calls her mind back to him, and she gives in to his word. The ghostly outline of Dillian becomes more tangible. He reminds her of that promise to come back to him. Don't let the darkness come between them. Come back. When Senua returns to herself, She's standing on the beach, holding the sword grammar. The evening light is a stark contrast to the place that she just departed from. She's ready now to go to Helheim. A beast called Garm haunts the halls of Helheim. It lurks in the dark places, attacking Senua's mind, driving her into complete panic. It knows that Senua is here. She cannot remain in the dark places of these halls for long. Senua will not give up, though. Even though Garm stalks here, she bravely plunges into the darkness. Within, she encounters a vision of her mother, Galena. Though, Galena tells Senua that the voices she hears are full of hate. She wants to help them, they're so loud. And Zimbel, he hurts her to stop the voices. Zimbel just wants the voices to go away. And the beings that Galena hears, they're crawling out of the wall as well. Senua is remembering traces of the truth. The narrator of her mind begins to broach the topic of Zinbo, her father. He upsets her, and the voice doesn't want to risk upsetting Senua. Though it matters less now, she says. Senua is deeply immersed in the things that terrify her. Everything is compounding into this quest, and she's nearing the end of her journey. Patterns and shapes are becoming more difficult to perceive. The Northmen are more attuned to walk in the darkness. They're more aggressive. Several appear at once. It takes Senua some time to get through the door, barring her way. The beast, stalking the halls and the darkness, Garm, chases her through the shadows onto a decrepit, collapsing bridge, which buckles and falls under her weight. With the fall, Senua loses Dillian. The seat of his soul falls into the darkness. Long ago... Zimbal would lock Senua away, keep her in a pit, to keep her away from Dillian. She remembers the things her father did to her, but she will not abandon Dillian in that darkness. She will descend the pit. And at the bottom, yes, she finds Dillian's head, but Senua finds something more. That voice. That same one that kept her from Dillian when she was a teenager. It's a confrontation long in the making.
1: I hope you can send me I can smell you.
0: No. You betrayed your back. I am leaving with him.
1: You turned (sighs) your back on me.
0: It's a fight half-concealed in the pitch black. This is the voice that she's been carrying, a part of Zimbal, and her pain at his hand. Taking the form of Garm, from Druth's stories, an undefined beast who stalks from the shadows and taunts her at every turn, Senua must use her ears, don't panic in the pitch black, and focus when the time is right to bring him out of the shadow. It is a beautiful fight, a true spectacle to behold, a dance in the darkness, a terror that she faces with pure bravery, how mighty Senua is to bring Garm down, to dominate that voice in her mind, the voice of Zinbel that's haunted her for so long, he will not stand in her way any longer. In fact, the voice states his purpose, his reasonings to drive Senua forward with hatred of the darkness, with a passion so great that her mind would be focused upon this quest, to keep her captive at bay until she was ready to face what lie beyond the veil. And she's proven herself capable at every turn. She is ready to face Hela. Druth speaks to Senua of Ragnarok, the events that will precede it, the preparations of the gods, the fate of mankind, the changes of the world. Atop this place, Senua finds a mirror, and through it, the passage to Hela. She bids the Furies to leave her, should they not wish to die with her. She recalls Druth's death, his confession of guilt, and his guidance of the Northmen, and tells her of that man in black that betrayed her people, perhaps Zinbel. A part of Senua's old self, her self, confronts her just before she takes passage through the mirror. She reasons that the people who pained her We're just frightened that they made up the monsters to fill in the void, and Senua doesn't need to do this, Senua doesn't need to leave her behind, but they made them real, Senua says, and leaves the old part of her life behind. It's through that weakness that the darkness will take hold, that the darkness will consume her. She must let it go. This is her hell, and it's time to face the finale of this particular quest. Senua remembers everything now. The murder of her mother, Zinbel's involvement, things that she'd long since locked away, and she knows it was Zinbel that created the darkness. She was just a child. It was he who pushed her into the careening, dark corners of her own mind and her own self-hatred. Took away her potential to understand and cope with the world. With the sacrifice of her own mother, Zinbil's rituals did not heal her. His abuse didn't stop what was taking place in her mind. It maimed her. Created this darkness. It was not Senua. It was him. You are a lie! She didn't defy the gods. She defied you. And so you killed her!
1: You didn't pray to the gods. You prayed to your mother. Your mother, who was too weak to fight the darkness and abandoned
0: you. You tortured her! You killed her! You are the darkness! Senowa and Zinbel fight through their words, through their logics. Senua is able to confront this darkness in her mind, fight off Zinbil's curses and mockery as Senua dances with her sword Grammar to take down the Northmen who block her path to Hella. For so many years, all her life, Senua has fought against the stigma that Zinbil showered upon her, that she was cursed, that she was wrought that she would bring ruin upon those close to her, that only he could save her. They believed him. She believed him. When the plague came, his words echoed like a prophecy when Dillion was taken. It all cascaded into this grand quest. This is how she's fighting. The nigh, all-consuming heartbreak and rage and fear that's held on to her all her life. The darkness tells her to let go of this battle. She cannot save him, and there's no redemption to be had. Swarms of the Northmen confront her before Hela, an unending force that she fights against, falling one, after another, after another, on and on. It takes a force of them to finally bring her down. The rot is traveling closer to her head, and she does not have long in this state. Hela approaches, picking up the blade grammar, finally giving audience to Senua, and for a moment. Senua puts to words the possibility of Zinbil's taunting. If Hella is a lie, if there is no darkness, then Dillian isn't here and he can't be saved. It wasn't the darkness that took her mother. It wasn't the darkness that took Dillian? It wasn't the darkness that haunted her for so long. If the darkness isn't real, then... you want me to believe? After all you've done to me? To him? It's not like that. It is not like that. That's not how Senua sees the world. Hella is not a lie. Dillian is here. The source of the darkness is here. And she gives this god being Hella a choice. She will give her life to Hella. She will serve as an agent of Ragnarok. At the end of the world, Senua will fight for Hela if she releases Dillion. Then Senua's soul will belong to this God of the Northmen. But if she refuses, if Hela refuses, then she must kill Senua. This quest is all she has now. Nothing to search out. Nothing to look onto in life. The rot is pulsating within her. And Hella chooses to run Senua through with grammar. The rot is coursing through her. Hella drops her to face her death, and here in this quiet moment, Dillian appears once again, one more time. A quiet moment that they once shared, when he shared his ideas on facing death. There was nothing to fear from the shadow it cast, don't let fear of that darkness turn you away from the light all about you, face death, let go of fear, emerge from the darkness. This story has come to an end. Dillion is truly gone, but is he free? Was he ever here? There are different ways to see this ending, and I would never presume to assert correctness over such a personal story, though, as I see it. Rot still lingers on Senua's hand. She walks past the discarded body of a goddess, the two interchanged before Senua's departure. Was the darkness here defeated upon the bargain being struck? For Senua to act as an agent of Hela at Ragnarok, does she now carry Hela with her? Senua commands that we follow. There is another story to tell, one that must be witnessed. What new quest will call to Senua?